Okay, welcome to Diary of an Ex-Evangelical, the podcast where we look at evangelical Christianity and go, what you talking about? I'm Marie, and as always, this is not a slander piece. It's more informative, and it also... It also is to kind of open up channels of conversation. So I am wrapping up my Church Trauma Can Look Like series. And, you know, a little background on me before I begin. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist. I am also not a religious expert. I, I'm a writer who, for the most part, was Roman Catholic and I spent 17 years of my life around evangelical Christianity. My mother was an independent Baptist who was in a church that had very evangelical leanings. I spent four years in that church. I was bullied. I was bullied and made to feel like shit. I've talked about it a few times in this season. And I left in 2020. And I have since gone back to Roman Catholicism. So that's my background. Now this series is inspired by a thing from Reimagining Recovery. So the series is is uh, from is inspired by Reimagining Recovery, who had on their Facebook page from a group called Your Favorite Heterics called Church Trauma Can Look Like. And there were these different little things of what church trauma can look like. So I've gone through several. I've gone through, um, let's see, I've gone through like, like a mental health. I've gone through finances. I've gone through mental health, finances, spiritual gifts and warfare, purity, excuse me, purity culture, fear-based theology. And today I'm going to be talking about service abuse. Now, service abuse, of course, if you think of it, service, which is, you know, giving to people, Helping people, maybe community service, if you are in trouble with the law and you kind of want to eschew the whole legal things of going to jail and whatnot. But, yeah. So, so what does service abuse in church trauma pertain to? So... First off, it could be if you work at the church as a paid employee, not being given a fair wage and being told by the leadership that it's a service to God. It could be guilting you into volunteering, calling it a moral obligation. Or the church staff only has a relationship with you if you keep serving. So yeah. Let's dive in and break this down. First off, fair wage. Now, fair wage is a huge hot topic issue right now. And 
you hear it a lot with retailers, people in food services wanting at least $15 an hour. I mean, some places have gone $15 an hour. Some have gone maybe slightly less than $15 an hour. So you, you have heard about the fair wage thing. Now, in the, in the church setting, it's basically not being paid your worth or paid less than the minimum wage. Um, I'll give you a great example of this. Um, let's say, let's say, um, Karen, and I'm going to use aliases. Karen is a teacher. She, she works at a school and she works at a public school. Okay. Let's put it that way. She works at a public school and she works at a public school in New Jersey. I'm just going to name a state at random. New Jersey. Because I'm actually looking at a, a thing which has like the average annual salaries for public school teachers or teachers. And the average salary of a teacher in New Jersey is about 70000 a year. Which, of course, with cost of living in New Jersey is pretty damn good. So she pulls in about seventy thousand a year. She gets full benefits. A lot of a lot of teachers do get full benefits. They'll get they'll get, you know, the medical dental, they'll get the pension plan. And, you know, it's all union mostly. So that's why. Um but Karen's living a good life. I mean, she she's able to provide for her family, live in a very nice house. Like, let's say she has a nice house in, I'm trying to think of a, of a town in New Jersey. I should know a few. Um, let's say she has a nice house in Pemberton, New Jersey. Pemberton, New Jersey is a beautiful area in Burlington County. It is, it does lean towards working class. So let's go with Pemberton. Um, so, so she's working in Pemberton as a teacher, pulling 70 grand a year, living quite well. Now we look at Karen's neighbor. And let's call her Laura. Laura works for a works for a church affiliated school. And I'm not talking like a Catholic school or anything, because I know already from people that do work in Catholic schools that they do get paid quite well and their benefits are pretty good. But let's say Laura has a job working for a K through eight evangelical based Christian school. And you know, she she and Kathy Karen have the same exact education. They both have master's degrees in education from very top accredited universities. They they go through all the training they have. In fact, teachers, I don't know if you know this, but teachers in a lot of places are required every so often to take courses. 
and a lot of times they do it online, but take courses that kind of keep the keep what they know and they're keep what they know fresh and relevant because of the changes in, in educational guidelines and technology. So so Karen and Karen and Laura both have the same exact education. They have master's degrees. I'm going to say Karen went to Rutgers University and Laura went to Rowan University. And, you know, so, so, you know, two very good schools. And, but yet Laura makes substantially less. Let's say Laura makes about half of what Karen does. So half of 70 grand would be, let's see, 70. Half of 70,000 would be about 35,000, which is still good, but you ain't going to afford half the shit in New Jersey. Because, let's face it, New Jersey is high taxes. So, yeah. Probably that's why I use New Jersey. Because the cost of living in New Jersey is insane. And, and also, for the record, um, if any of my podcast listeners are from New Jersey, I love you guys. I, myself, am originally from New Jersey. So, you know, I still have love for the Garden State. <laughs> but back to our story. So, Laura and Karen are are having this thing where, you know, one's getting paid thirty five thousand, one's getting paid seventy thousand. So, so that also leads into the others in that job elsewhere can't get more. There's an example right there, and. You know, let's say there's room in the budget. Let's say this school that Laura works at is a school that's tied into a very large evangelical church. And they get donors that donate to the school. They have the offering for for the whole church and the school. So they get a lot of money. But Laura could be told by her boss, whether it be the principal of the school or the pastor of the church, or sometimes it may be both principal and pastor, because I, the pastor may be the principal, because I have heard of evangelical-leaning churches that have a school to them where... Where the person, where the pastor of the church was basically the principal, if you will, of the school. So, so Laura goes up to, goes up to the head of the school. And let's say for the argument, he's also the head of the church, okay? So, she goes up and she, she talks to him because, and nine times out of ten, it is a man. She goes up to him and because she realized, A, she's making half the money that the average teacher in New Jersey is. And B, 
she's looking at budget reports because a lot of these churches do have like a budget report they they will present to the congregation so let's say Laura gets her hands on a budget report for the school and the church and she realizes there's room in the budget for me to get more than 35,000 a year um let's say the pastor says you know what we shouldn't pay you more because this is a service to God you are teaching our kids under under the grace of God you're teaching them God's word yada 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 that is an example of not being given a fair wage and yes, it does happen. It could also be that maybe your maybe your checks withheld for a few days. Who knows? It's crazy. So let's kind of look at a different one, which is volunteering and guilt. Now, volunteering is very common with churches, and you know a lot of people. A lot of times you're not really pressured into it. Like I know the Catholic church I've been going to, which is the same Catholic church that I went to before these four years I spent in evangelical church. They will come up to the, you know, the lector or, or the deacon will come up after the communion and everything and be like, okay, we have some announcements and, they will go through the announcements, and if there is something in in the parish, of course, the church I attend has a school attached to it, and they do have volunteers in the school. They will be like, okay, like, let's say, let's say it's, let's say in my example, it's a church where it's a Catholic church and they are looking for Eucharistic ministers or extraordinary ministers as they're called now. And basically these are the lay people that will assist the priest and the deacon in serving communion at masses. Some of them do also go out to say hospitals or, or to parishioners homes and serve communion to, to the sick. So, let's say they're looking for these, for people to do this ministry. A lot of times, either they will, they will ask people in other groups that are related to the parish, or, or one Sunday you might see a lay minister or a deacon come up and say, we have a few announcements and they begin with, we are looking for Eucharistic extraordinary ministers for, for St. Bartholomew. I'm just going to make up a, make up something here. I know there's probably a St. Bartholomew church because there is a St. Bartholomew, but you know, it'll be like sign-up sheet is in the back or email email Lisa in the parish office or email Catherine 
our lay minister coordinator. Something like that. And, you know, you are given the free will and the option to either do that or not. So, that's an example of a healthy version in my in my opinion, that's an example of a healthy version of volunteering in a church. In church trauma, which unfortunately I have seen a little bit in evangelical circles, is more on the top line of shaming. So, volunteering and guilt. Being told you are morally obligated. Which I find very weird because a lot of evangelicals talk about this concept in the Catholic Church, which is called works, good works lead you to heaven. When the reality is that in the Catholic Church, it's, you know, your faith pushes you to do good work. So I always found that very weird that you know, you would feel like you are morally obligated to, to say, help out at the vacation Bible school or, or maybe join the women's ministry. And a lot of times, unfortunately, I feel like they, they, they kind of push this more on women. And being treated poorly if you say you have another obligation and can't do that, which I actually faced that personally because I remember I was actually being pushed to join the women's ministry and I was never really one for that kind of stuff. And I remember the women's ministry had a weekend retreat in, in this one beach town. I think I forgot where exactly it was, but, and you know, I had another obligation. At the time, I was volunteering at a Catholic hospital. And I I would do, like, one day during the week. So, like, I would do one day, one day on a weekday and one day on a weekend. And that weekend, I was working at the hospital. I was a front desk volunteer. And I was actually the lead front desk volunteer. So, I knew I had to be there. And, you know, I remember a church elder saying to me, oh, you should go on that. And he was really pushing me to go on that women's retreat. And he he actually did the same thing to his daughter, and his daughter went. But, you know, like, I remember the elder board was really pushing women to do this stuff. And I actually said... To one member of the elder board, I would, but I have another obligation. I I commit my time on Saturday afternoons in the main lobby of the local hospital. And he acted like as if that was wrong. He acted like as if I was pushing God aside. Just for that reason. Which, if you ask me, was completely insane. And, you know, so, like, y you will be pushed to do stuff. But if you say, I'm sorry, I can't, they will act like as if you're, as if you're basically 
kind of going against them. And, you know, being told everyone needs to pull their weight. I used to hear this all the time in evangelical churches, and I think this goes back to the Protestant work ethic. And it's basically, oh, if we have many hands, we could get all this done. And it's insane. It is. It is absolutely insane how they would do this. And and um, let me give you the example of the Protestant work ethic, which I think this falls under. The view that a person's duty is to achieve success through hard work and thrift, such success as being a sign that one is saved. Which I think is the most bullshit thing in the world because... A lot of these evangelical churches tend to tell you that works are not going to get you in heaven, but yet you are being guilt shamed if you can't help out with the canned food drive. So, yeah, it kind of is more counterintuitive and really asinine. So finally, the other one is serving and relationships. Now, serving and relationships is a very interesting one because this could be either you are treated like a number or you're treated like a person. And it depends on what you do and give. And I actually talked about this, I think, in my finances podcast where I said about ministers who, if you want to serve like on a board or something, that will look at what you gave to the church before they even put you on the damn ballot. So, yeah. So, you're only acknowledged if you serve, which happens a lot because I I remember at the church I was at, there were these very, very sweet elderly ladies and it was almost like everybody ignored them because all they just did was just sit there and pray, read the Bible. And it wasn't that they didn't want to do anything. It's just they were limited in what they could do. They will only contact you when you serve or are at the church. Which, which you know, if you, like, I know people that if they don't do anything if they don't help out, they're pretty much treated a number. And they do cut all contact if you don't serve. And I actually realize this a bit too well because, because I, I saw this with not only me, but with other people. Like, I knew somebody who gave years to a church. They helped out with all these different community events and everything else that the church had. And then they had to stop because of health issues. And it was almost like as if nobody acknowledged their existence, but maybe a couple of people. So it 
it's sad. It is. It is a very sad testimony because, you know, you should be able to serve or not serve in a church depending on your feelings. And, you know, if you want to, if you want to go on the women's retreat, go on the women's retreat. If you don't, that's good too. If you, if you want to join the, join a ministry, join a ministry. If you don't, that's fine too. God knows what's in your heart, people. So what is the takeaway? So the takeaway is this is all a form of control, controlling people. So maybe borderline cult. It's a way to make you feel like faith is based on works when it really, and you know, this pisses me off with evangelicals because of, they always say like the Catholics have a faith based on works when it's really the it's really the reverse. It's, it's our faith inspires us to do these works. I mean, there's actually a, a very common thing that I have heard in Catholicism about doing God's work. Also, I'm also, I'm actually reading an amazing book and I will probably do a book review on a podcast. It's called Tattoos on the Heart. And, you know, it's an amazing book. Um, the gentleman who wrote it is Father Greg Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest from, he's a Jesuit priest and he's, he lives in California. He started a ministry that helps ex-cons get back on their feet. And I'm actually reading this with with a group of people and half of them are it's gonna sound weird, but I am probably one of only maybe two or three Catholics in the entire book group. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, he um but yeah. And you know, it's not like you know, he's an example of his faith led him to start Homeboy Industries, which is which is actually the world's largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and re-entry program. So that just shows you that, yeah, evangelicals, you have that whole faith based on works bullshit incorrect and also another interesting thing, and I should have pointed this out your talents don't always match what they say you can do for service and I will give you a great example I am a writer I've done photography I am very interested in the performing arts I, I can actually, I've been told that I'm pretty good at reading things to people. Like I, like 
the non-denominational church I always talk about in my podcasts, I have, I have actually recorded, like, doing scripture readings for them, for their podcasts. So, that just shows you that talent. However, in the evangelical church I was in, these talents were severely underused. And I was always told that my service was to kind of be the grunt. To help out in the kitchen, which I I could cook, but I suck at that. It was things like shepherding the kids in vacation Bible school from from station to station instead of actually running a station or helping running a station. I was never given the opportunity to get up and talk or do music or anything. And I actually found out from other Catholics who were evangelical that there is a phenomenon with that. And I will probably talk about this in a future podcast, but there is a phenomenon where where a where an evangelical will like audition for the worship team or anything and she's and if it's a female, it they will base it more on her outward appearance and say, Oh, you you don't fit the image for this, so we're gonna have you do that. And so, yeah, that's another takeaway from this. And also, also, and I should have bullet pointed this in the way of mind control and, and just controlling people in general. It's a way to make you feel like if you don't do X, Y, and Z, your salvation is lost. We won't like you and we have a direct line to Jesus. I swear this is happening. When the reality is, do they? So yeah, it makes you wonder. So that is the church trauma can look like service abuse portion of our series. Um, so, Diary of an Ex-Evangelical, written, produced, and researched by me. I am hosted on Anchor. Log on to anchor.fm to get your podcast hosted. Um, you are listed, of course, on Spotify as a default. You can get you, and they have tools to help you get listed on other on other services. I am listed on Apple, Google, and Podbean. I am also on Facebook, search for Diary of an Exvangelical. Follow me at on Twitter at Exvangelical267. And if you are a pop culture nerd, please check out my other podcast, Pop Goes the Culture, which you can find on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Google, and and Podbeam. I almost forgot. Um, actually, you could follow you could follow my Twitter for Pop Goes the Culture, and I I have I actually have links to to all the different things on my on both of my 
both Twitter accounts for my podcasts. So, so um, just follow, just follow Pop Culture Two Six Seven, which is for my Pop Goes the Culture podcast, and there is a link tree link that will have all the links for where my podcast is listed. Ditto for Exvangelical Two Six Seven on Twitter. I will have the links for everywhere I am listed. Let's make it simple. So, until then, peace be with you.